What's going on, good people? Hope y'all enjoyed football yesterday. Hope y'all enjoyed the NBA throughout the course of what has been the bubble season, the bubble postseason. And we're going to talk about that, but we're going to talk about the weekend recap of something that we thought that couldn't happen because of corona. Something that definitely shot, shut me down has been corona, uh, especially with pumping out episodes. Uh, the last one I did was with George Floyd and talking about everything that was going on with that and everything that was that and, you know, what is still being talked about and still need to be done um, with racism and um, um, trying to uh, help out these um, injustices that are, are going against black people because black lives matter. And uh, as long as we keep shouting that and marching that and make an action to make change, um, you know, things get better. So that was my last episode. Now we want to um, try to, you know, get through the football season with the pandemic because it seems like with the NBA season, with what, they, what they're trying to do, it's, it's, it's working. And now we have no positive tests. Of week one of NFL football, that was positive, and we got to see some good football. No fans in the stands, um, except the uh, Colts and Jaguars game. Um, you know, just like the NBA bubble, they've let certain family members in the games and stuff like that. Now uh, people can see their, you know, their, their loved ones uh, play uh, if they're if they're um, Corona free, and now with that being enticed, now we're getting more. I'm hearing from the WWE side, uh, wrestling, entertainment, that they're going to start allowing small crowds and things of that nature if they want to come and check that out. You're seeing um, small crowds in certain areas and, uh, with sports, and that's starting to happen. The virtual thing, it's cool. Um, I, I believe I saw SummerSlam where they had every chair with the virtual screens, and I thought that was pretty cool. I like what the NBA doing with their screens. You get to see celebrities and stuff that might be watching the game and stuff like that. And then with the football, with the automated uh, crowd noise, I thought that was pretty good. Now, as far as knowing the timing to use certain crowd noises and stuff like that, I think they need to iron that out. But um, as far as the crowd noise at the NFL stadiums, I love the sounds of that more so than the NBA games. Um, then you got MMA and boxing who's going with a more of a darker background and having no crowd with just hearing the noise inside the ring and the, and the refs and trainers and stuff like that. That's kind of a little bit more um, what you get out of that instead of fake crowd noise. You don't need fake crowd noises in those situations, in those fights. I mean, it would be good, but, but it's just like you get more entertainment by hearing all the grunts and stuff like that, man. Speaking of which, it was like a guy who got kicked in the lower region, and all you that's I mean, that's all you heard was him sitting there like, ah, oh, God, and then the fight didn't continue. Then you heard, you know, like uh, in the Daniel Cormier-Stipe match whenever uh, Cormier got poked in the eye. Stuff like that, you, you get a more in-depth uh, look inside the cage and stuff like that to where the viewer can might enjoy that better than hearing the crowd just going crazy you're not hearing all that banter and stuff like that because the NBA has been kind of cool you're hearing certain things <laughs> stuff like that um, like Carmelo yelling or something like that but um, ah, the NFL season week one man and you know college football started um, as well and they've been getting their, their uh, rocks off certain conferences Conference USA ACC Big 12 um, getting out there, you know, the Pac-12, Big Ten are not playing. SCC, um, I think, is going to be playing. I'm not sure. I 
I could be wrong on that, but it's going to be interesting to see who's, you know, who's going to walk out of this the more entertaining sport that people are going to talk about because people do that every year. People are, I enjoy college football this year. I enjoy college basketball this year. I enjoy the NBA or whatever like that. Who's going to, who's going to come out on top of saying, like, this is this is what I enjoy the most, you know. I don't know. It's just that that I just think right now the NBA is winning because they they got their start off. They did their bubble season. There was some good games. People had some crazy crazy moments. Um, so with that being said, I just look at them as like the front runners of. What has been more entertaining? NBA, NBA being that NFL coming in at number two. Hopefully, MMA has been good. I like I said, um, I'm, I'm a person that's been boxing. Um, I'm always boxing over MMA, but MMA with the island and how they're doing these fights and stuff like that has been pretty good. It's been yet to have a big, big, big time boxing match. It's not happened yet. Uh, we've seen, you know, some good fights. Here and there, but we haven't seen no Terrence Crawford, Earl Spence in the ring yet. Not saying going against each other, which that would be the fight to make, but we have not seen those guys in the ring yet. We haven't seen Lomachenko in the ring, which he's going to be fighting Tiafimo Lopez in October. We're going to be seeing Tank Davis going against Santa Cruz. We're going to be seeing Sean Porter going against somebody here after he just fought a nobody. So, I mean, he's somebody that you can sit there and say that yeah we've seen Sean Porter but is that somebody you really want to see we want to see Sean Porter go against somebody bigger because he's not that big of a name like a Terrence Crawford or Earl Spence but we are going to see those fights and you know we're trying to get uh, trying to see Devin Haney versus um, uh, Gary Russell Gary Russell's been trying to call out Terrence Crawford um, that's been that's been something where like we need to get these happening <laughs> because MMA is taking off and because there's a big 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 fight uh, coming up here in the next couple of weeks. It's just Adesanya versus um, uh, the big bruiser. I call him the, the Brazilian Incredible Hulk, Paula Costa, and uh, and that fight's going to be fireworks. I mean, Paula Costa is going to be trying to look to take Adesanya's head off, and then you got Adesanya's going to be more of a you know, trying to be the praying manis, you know, move, stick and move, and then going for the kill as he does that. Uh, so, boxing needs to get their big matches underway, which they, there's some already on the on the on the on the card. Just need to get to the date. Hopefully, nothing happens leading up to that. Uh, but you know, we need big fights. We hear Conor McGregor keep getting in the news and stuff like that. But you know, it's boxing rumor here, then it's sexual allegation here. You know, sexual assault allegations here. Then it's like, oh, he could be returning to the uh, UFC. He's taking drug tests here and there, whatever. It's a lot of this and this and that. We need dates. We need fight dates. We need, you know, uh, we need Khabib back in there. We need all this stuff because we're here in Ferguson against Dustin Poirier. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that, you know, I think is where UFC might be in that second place where NFL could be in the charge of taking that over very quickly. With week one, and we're going to jump right into that and talk about week one. And then, like I said, we're going to talk some NBA, and then we're going to scatter and have that talk. Like I said, sauce talk is what it is, and this is going to be more of a laid back, chiller version of the show. But Monday is the is the is Monday is going to be the um, 
the breakdown, the, uh, the, 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 the what happens, the you know, saying like the the complete of what goes on in the week. You know, we're gonna have Thursday night football with the Bengals and the Browns. So what happens on that day? It goes Friday, Saturday, all the things that happens on the weekend. We're gonna talk about it on Monday. Today's Monday. We're gonna talk about it. So let's get with football since everybody was so antsy. Cause I start with basketball, but. Antsy as people were about football, I would love to talk about that. And big ups to, the, like I said, to the college football teams out there that are doing what they're supposed to do with this COVID thing and make sure that you're not in the headlines for doing anything dumb and things of that nature with COVID. Because you've seen pros have things. Houston Rockets, Daniel House, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, it was a player who was trying to sneak in. A, I think it was a quarterback who was trying to sneak in a, a, a trainer or a girlfriend or something dressed as a trainer or a coach or something or a player. Uh, you know, we we heard all this stuff. West Virginia had um, 10 players uh, suspended uh, before their game Saturday against uh, East Kentucky for drinking alcohol in the locker room. You know what I'm saying? You've, we've had certain college athletes get in. Some certain things where they're going to be suspended and held accountable. It's going to be more strict now with this COVID thing. So even things that might not pertain to COVID-19, it's going to be the magnifying glasses on the student athletes. So student athletes, you got to make sure that you stay focused and make sure you be disciplined and not put yourself out there to where you're not going to be suiting up on Saturdays, Thursdays, whatever days that y'all going to be playing the games. Um, on the NFL side. We had the Chiefs go against the Texans Thursday night. That was the big kickoff. And uh, the Chiefs looked, which I'm going to say this right before I get into that real quick. I had a, to more or less straighten somebody out yesterday about this. It's like, you can't treat this season like any other. Just like the this, this season almost got locked out. Um, just like the season that had you know, any type of distraction, any type of like, whoa, that knocks this off course. I mean, there was a little thing to where players and coaches were getting in trouble for practicing at the wrong times and the NFL um, collective bargaining agreement came up with the idea of saying that, which is still in place now, when it first started, it was rough to where practices and things, minicab stuff was pushed. There was not a lot. People was getting hurt. So they slimmed it down. That was tough on the offensive line. That was tough on tackling and stuff like that. Now with COVID-19, we have situations where now there's no preseason. There's no a lot of normal things. There was no 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 uh, training camps where dual teams, you know what I'm saying, was coming to play each other, scrimmage and stuff like that. There was none of that. There was your training camp. You was quarantining with it. Everybody had to follow the rules. When you get to see a whole lot. Um, Hard Knocks was with two teams, Rams and Chargers. I uh, didn't really find a whole lot of entertainment value into that. Um, so, I mean, it was a weird offseason. You didn't get to see Joe Burrow have a dress rehearsal. You didn't get to see um, DeAndre Hopkins in a Cardinal uniform just testing it out. We didn't get to see Tom Brady, you know saying, just sit over there on the sidelines of the preseason game while Blaine Gabbert throws passes. We didn't get to see those types of things like a DeAndre Swift getting the Work out and maybe, you know, work out some things that wouldn't cost them. We're going to talk about later. So, with all those things being said, 
this was a funky offseason. So things that, that you would think like, oh, this team's going to come out here and do this as usual and stuff like that. Which team was and which team wasn't? Because not every team came out button up that you think is going to or teams that felt real good on paper that might have felt shortened or slighted by the bad offseason or awkward offseason. They might not come out as fiery. Veterans like Aaron Rodgers who came out on fire. You have Chiefs who came out on fire. Struggled in the beginning because, I'm going to tell you this, Texans had a nice beginning of the game. Um, they was running the ball. David Johnson was slick and making moves. He scored the first touchdown. They was looking the part of something of like, okay, now they traded Hopkins. They, they, they was criticizing some dumb things, but look at them. But then the Chiefs woke up and they found something that, you know, that they're used to doing, and they're the Super Bowl champs. And like I said, everybody's going to come out a little rusty, a little different, and and they did that. And once they got everything under control, um, Patrick Mahomes went to work. Uh, um, the defense got a hold of the run game with what the Texans was trying to do. Um you know what I'm saying? Like, it forced the Texans to throw the ball a bit more because David Johnson only had 11 carries. If he had, had 20-some carries, he'd have 100-some yards. He'd have seven yards to carry. So when you do certain things to put yourself in position, and that is to make them go out of the run, load the box, get the ball back, and let's go down there and score points. We score points, then they have to throw the ball for the rest of the game. And that's what became the game. And that's what you have to do. And that's what the Kansas City Chiefs are good at doing. 24-32. 32 attempts for Watson. The difference of making it is 20-32-24-32 and is that they kept giving the ball to their running back. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. 25 rushes, 138 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, in a touchdown. That's simple. Very simple. Cut. Blank, simple. You have quarterbacks were identical in, in passing. But what was the difference? No interception from Mahomes, but what was the big difference? They trusted the run game. Now, Texans got behind on some plays. 14-point swing was huge. I mean, like, it was – they scored 14 points like it was nothing. So, Houston got in a position where they was like, man, we got to start, you know, passing the ball. But they probably should have kept running the ball, honestly. Maybe because something could have happened. You know, start swinging it out there to Duke Johnson more. You know, Duke Johnson only had, what, zero catches? So, I mean, like, that's something that he does. So, you load the box, set a screenplay. That's what the uh, the Saints was doing to the Buccaneers. We're going to get up on that, into that later. So, now you're seeing that offseason starting to kick in to where Bill O'Brien is not that buttoned up anyway. And they got out coach, Andy Reid, said, hey, we'll give him to the rookie. Let the rookie win it. Because we got Travis Kelsey could, you know, bust this game open anytime. He scored a touchdown, but six catches, 50 yards. Sammy walking seven catches for 84 touchdown. One touchdown that he had last year to open, it was three. Didn't score for the rest of the season. This time he gets one. I wonder how his rest of the season is going to go. Um, but there's so many weapons. Tyreek Hill took him a while to get a catch, but he had five catches for a touchdown. He finally got in there. So, I mean, like, you just got to watch. Don't know what this team is doing. And then they just keep pounding the ball. 25 carries, 138 yards, five yards a carry. Keep giving the ball to David Johnson. We might have a gridiron game here. But when you let a 14-point swing like that happen, then you get out of sorts and you start to unravel. 
And that's what I saw in the Houston Texans and Kansas City Chiefs game was teams that came out a little rusty, but the team that they came out a little bit more fiery got rusty in the second half because they got dumb. Period. They got dumb. You just keep running the ball. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you're putting Deshaun in a position where he's got to sit there and run. He was getting chased around after a while. You know what I'm saying? The offensive line just probably broke down. They probably just saw it. Like, well, if we're not going to keep getting a push to where I guess David can be effective. But 11 rushes, 77 yards, 7 yards carry. He seems fine. Give him the ball. You lose 34 to 20. Point blank period. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> I mean, other than that, I can talk about is the fact that, you know, Tyreek Hill is such a weapon that it didn't take him long to start getting going, but he didn't even have the ball a catch until like the second quarter towards the end. And, and you know, saying like, and they were scared to death, leaving certain things open. And especially, you know, saying the, I, I would say another thing about the Chiefs is that offensive line. They are. Man, they added a guy, Osmalaya Osmalaya added this person, put him right there on that left guard position, and he is sitting there plugging. He is, boom, gave Edwards Hilaire that opening, the cut block, the cut juke, touchdown. He couldn't do the hole. He gets skinny. I think Skip Bayless tried to compare him to Emma Smith. I see what he mean. He gets skinny. You can't small. He gets small. Right behind the offensive line, you can't find him. And then he squirts one out of there. And then He's a big 200-pound guy. Being in that small stature, so he's not like, come here, grab you, fall down. No, he, you got to work for him to come down. It's kind of like Alvin Kamara, who's taller, but just a tough to bring down. He's just a, a guy that's, that's just a hard runner. I see Edwards Hilaire being a shorter version of that. Just tough to bring down. He's going to go through the hole hard, and you can't see him at the time. <laughs> you can't see him. Somebody said Maurice Jones-Drew. No, he's not that... Build. He's more athletic than Maurice Jones Drew. I mean, that's why I say no. So we'll keep that moving to talk about Tom Brady. We're gonna bring that into the fold here, man. We got we can't we, we talk about the Super Bowl champ, the person that you know what I'm saying that's gonna take over this league. And we're gonna talk about the person who ran this league, got super, six Super Bowl champs. Championship rings. Tom Brady. Houston took a L to to the defending MVP of the Super Bowl. And now we look to, to where the matchup of him and Watson, of how that career is going to unfold for many, many years. Watson's going to have chances. Hopefully, he's going to have chances with a better team, personnel-wise. And they're going to have that rivalry going for years, kind of like a rivalry with Drew Brees and Tom Brady, who now can be in the same conference, now can be in the same division and play each other twice for maybe for two more seasons. In which this rivalry is kind of distant because the rivalry is just looking at it on stats because playing against each other is not that many, but Drew Brees got the upper hand. But I tell you who's got the upper hand in Super Bowl rings. We'll have to get into that. Now, Saints, Buccaneers. First drive you would want to see is that you saw the Buccaneer defense being somewhat competent. They looked a little bit more aggressive. Me being a Buccaneers fan for the past six years, I've seen a Buccaneers defense just seem a little fluff, arm tackling, um, really not pursuing the ball, 
in the air and penalties. So the first drive, and then we get the ball, and then we take it down, and we score. Let me tell you what was going through my head, because I'm going to break all that way down a little bit differently, but I'm just going to say this. It felt like to me that we arrived, that we have finally got into a culture to where business is business, and let's go out there and handle it, and let's win the game until it's over. No, it's not the case yet. My thing that I saw was that good defense stand, they punted, we got the ball. Two penalties helped us get down the field, but just two penalties of talent. I always say pass interference, penalties. Pass interference flags always come from good talent. Because if you beat a guy one-on-one, then he's scared to death. Then you're going to catch it, score a touchdown. He's going to grab you get a pass interference. So I always say those are a catch. It's a reception in itself. It just don't go in the statute. So we had the two big penalties that, 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 that helped us get down there that I felt like were penalties of good offense. We get down there. Tom Brady rushes in for a touchdown. LFG, big spike on the field. Let's get off the field. Defense comes back out there. But we forgot something. And I'm going to tell you something that we forgot after Tom Brady scored that touchdown. It's the simple fact of not being able to button it up when we're doing when we're doing well or having a surprising moment of saying like oh, we made it or we're different. A lot of times people are like that in life. You can get lax when something becomes easier. You know, you get a, a more lax boss or you could get a uh, easy situation with something where you can just take for granted. People on that Buccaneers team that usually was either losing or getting in, you know, bad situations saw that drive is like, oh my God, did you see that? The pass to Godwin, the pass interference, Mike Evans, the, the, you know, just things where you just like, okay, okay. I just think that after that touchdown that we got content or settled some players in the show. Penalty here, Lax, Vita Vea, offside. Jamel Dean, dumb pass interference. Jamel Dean didn't high point the ball correctly. You know, uh, just certain things, man. Alvin Kamara, letting him, you know, to, to the intensity of like how we was attacking him. I'm gonna bring into that. Alvin Kamara brings in a new deal. Got two touchdowns, hurrah. Didn't have 100 yards on the day. Didn't have 100 yards total on the day. So there were spots to where we tackled him effectively. But my point is that being after that touchdown draft, we, we let our foot off the gas. On a time where we could have went up maybe 21 nothing, But no, we let penalties keep putting them in position to score. And then came the interception. Tom Brady, Mike Evans, not on the same page. Mike Evans hurt. Uh, they run in a post route. Looks like on that five-step drop, Tom Brady is going to let it rip, period. Especially with the pressure coming in on the outsides like that, which I'm going to get into that. Christian Wirfs got to get in uh, tune with playing the right tackle position. I don't think he played that position in college. I think he played left tackle, and they moved him over to right tackle. So he's going to have to figure that out. He was dick ducking his head. 
which is something he could do on the left side and, and mess up. But he was ducking his head too much and allowing uh, Cam Jordan just to have fun. But Cam Jordan's Cam Jordan. He's all pro. You know, Worfs is just a rookie, you know, big boy uh, offense tackle that, that we hopefully is going to turn into something good like Alex Marpet or Donovan Smith, which Donovan Smith ain't that great. Uh, but, yeah, Saints – Saints are, are a contending team that I felt didn't need a real crisp offseason to be who they are with being able to sign Kamara and being out there on the field. And Mike Thomas doing what he do. Drew Brees is already going to be locked and loaded as far as what they do. Not a lot of personnel change. They didn't change a whole lot on defense. They're bringing in a guy they had as a utility guy who are given more opportunity, so they've been working with him. So it just they were more prepared where the Buccaneers were not as prepared. But if you look at it, if you think about it, they had a they still was in the game all all the way leading up to I would say the muff kick, which was atrocious. So let's talk about past interception to where let's talk about the pick six. We were having a good drive. Two plays First down happened. We're moving. It's second. I mean, it's first and it's second and ten. Second and eight or something like that. It's after Rojo ran the ball. Next play, we have a false start. Godwin. My God. I've never seen a wide receiver run in motion and be so nonchalant and get a penalty like that to kill a drive. That was a drive killer. You killed the drive. Why? Because we could have ran the ball the next play. But no. We got a pass. And then there's a pass. Then, then there's the interception for, for the pick six from a person I felt like was done, Jackrabbit. And New York tried to make him a claim to be a, a top corner in the league. He got burnt sideways from, you know, the sixth way from Tuesday last season. Now he comes to New Orleans, and he gets a pick six, and now he's feeling back to Jackrabbit again because he picked off Tom Brady. I mean, overall, that right there was the killer of the game that led up to the muff kick, but that was killer because we score on that drive. Everything's calmed down. We're cool. You got to give a man like Tom Brady, 42-year-old man, a, a, a calm pocket, and you got to not make mistakes. And penalties put us in a position where plays like that happen. Because Rojo is running that thing. 17 carries, 65 yards may not signify that, but I just feel like he was doing pretty good better than Leonard Fournette. Because when Leonard Fournette was coming in, we was putting him in a position to really, where he couldn't really run. We didn't get an eye formation or a strong. We was just handing the ball shotgun, kind of like the Marco Murray in Philly. It just didn't work. So we had to try that out. Differently get some eye pro uh, eye formation sets or something single back give him that give him that comfortability to be able to run the ball. I think tosses tosses would be good for him too. Rojo could come out of shotgun and do those things. Mike Evans being hurt compromised the Buccaneers. Um, you didn't see a whole lot of injuries over there on the on the New Orleans side. But, you know, Drew Brees, man, for his age, and Tom Brady, they looked pretty good. Drew Brees, of course, looked better. They got the win. Um, I think somebody was sitting there saying 
that Tom Brady was washed up, but I didn't really see that. I saw that under duress, just like any other time, just like Drew Brees under duress, they're going to make mistakes. Quarterbacks that are not mobile under pressure are more likely to hurry and make a play they usually wouldn't make and sometimes turn interception. It happened, but I don't feel like it happened in this game. I don't feel that the interception of Mike Evans was brought on by pressure. I think that was a mistiming thing. And the interception that came that led into a pick six was just an out route that got jumped. That probably a play that wouldn't have been called before if it wouldn't have been a penalty. I don't think that play would have been called. Um, Jerry Cook had a better day than Rob Gronkowski. O.J. Howard scored a touchdown. Um, um, another bright area to talk about is a guy named Scotty Miller. I didn't know who that guy was in college. I didn't know who that guy was, and now he's going to be able to make a name for himself for Tom Brady, who likes those style of wide receivers, short, gets underneath the, uh, the, the linebackers, catches those passes to be able to get those four- or five-yard gains that can turn into a 50-yard game maybe. hate the fact that people are going to say that Tom Brady's washed up if this team is losing. This team is going to be losing if we don't fix the discipline part. I think everything else is going to come into play with the talent and everything like that. But if you're not disciplined, you're making turnovers and penalties. Penalties that can lead into turnovers. Penalties that can lead into bad situations. Short fields and things like that. They're going to score touchdowns and we're going to lose. There wasn't wild fumbles. There wasn't no crazy things other than a muff punt. I mean, a muff kick. A muff kick lost us the game. We catch that ball. We have a drive. We score. We're down a touchdown. Nope. They get it. They come down. They get a field goal. Now we're down three scores. I mean, come on. Chance after chance, especially with good offensive play. I mean, a defensive play, excuse me, I'm sorry. A defensive play, you got to see the, the three drives where Devin White and Levante David basically just took over. Carlton Davis, I, I'm not exaggerating here. Carlton Davis on Mike Thomas for being Mike Thomas, being who he is and getting the money that he got. Three catches, 17 yards. Five targets. Let me repeat that. Carlton Davis, the third was on Mike Thomas. He only had three catches for 17 yards on five targets. In a pass interference call that was bogus because two possessions before that, I believe that we got called um, for no, for, I mean, we didn't get a call for nothing on a play that I felt like Mr. Lattimore was a little early jumping down the back of Chris Godwin. But nothing was called. That's fine. But wow, in the next couple drives, the same exact bang-bang play happens, and you call a flag, and Troy Aikman was like, you're not going to get those calls after he just said that. But refs can't hear the commentating, right? Both teams wasn't great. I don't want people to walk away and thinking that the Saints are great or they're going to win a Super Bowl with their beating Tom Brady week one, 18 to 30, 160 yards, two touchdowns. When it, and, you know, we could have sacked him more. Things could have been different. Taysom Hill, when a gadget play ends the game, craziness. Got to watch out for that stuff. They didn't do 
things that just blows off the map. They scored four, 34 points just by just knowing what to do in situations because they just they've been together. The pick six. Um, Emmanuel Sanders comes in and he only catches three catches. You know, in a touchdown. There's going to be games where these guys are really going to show off. Hopefully not against us, but I, I like the way the Buccaneers defense are looking, minus the mistakes. And offense is looking good, minus the mistakes. So I'm walking away with this saying, mistakes lost the Buccaneers the game. You can't make errors like that. Now, let's keep it moving. Talk about the Jaguars, a team that made less mistakes and came back and won the game. The key thing is football is that stay in the game, don't make the mistakes. The other teams might turn around and start making those mistakes. Simple. It's pretty simple, man. But in this game, Indy made the mistakes. When they had the game won, two interceptions thrown by somebody I feel who is washed up, Phillip Rivers. He's washed. 36 of 46, two picks, one touchdown. It looked like they was going to skate out of here with a win. But there's a guy named Gardner Minshew that we all forgot about. 19 of 20, 173 yards, three touchdowns. In the last, what, three games? Going back to the last few games when he got this job back um, um, in Jacksonville. 19, and he's been throwing, what, I think he's only thrown six touchdowns. He's only... Missed probably about seven passes. No picks. On like 700 yards. Gardner Minshew yesterday was damn near perfect. Now, with that being said, he was dinking and dunking. His longest pass of 28 yards. But when it got to the fourth quarter and it was game time, Gardner Minshew. Big time shout out to the Chenault. A rookie that I thought was going to be real good, LaVisca. And he is. Three catches, 37 yards, and a touchdown. Big-time play. But DJ Shark, another person that I like, shows up big. DJ Shark, man. Three catches, 25 yards, and a touchdown. Keenan Keelan Cole, five catches, 47 yards, and a touchdown. Big ups to those guys, man. Stay in the game, you win the game. Stay focused, stay level-headed. Both of them have five to six penalties, but in the end of the game, Jaguars made the smarter plays. They get the victory. Plain and simple. Because look at the stats. If you go look at the team stats, you go, man, how did the coach lose this? How did the coach lose this game? Turnovers, mistakes. And you got to watch the quarterback that you gave $25 million to. I mean, I'm just going to put that out there. Rams-Cowboys, Sunday night game. Malcolm Brown, Jesus, he was hungry. I don't know, can he do that week to week? Didn't even get 100 yards, but can he do that week to week? He was running hard, four yards to carry. Um, Then they had a guy named Henderson was coming in there, got a few carries. Cam Akers was being a a secondary uh, back, uh, 14 carries, 39 yards. They were just getting yards, man, when they needed to in the first half. And then the Cowboys seemed like they was going to be able to try to do something. Zeke, 90-some yards. 
keep giving the ball to Zeke. And they did that. 22 carries, 96 yards, and a touchdown. But let's talk about the man who's once all this money, Dak Prescott. Dink and Dak. Let's go downfield. You got talent. You got speed. You got Mark Cooper. Michael Gallup. C.D. Lamb. Let's take a look at something. Tony Pollard, the longest catch that he caught was six yards. Zeke Elliott, 14 yards. Cooper. Chicken feet. Michael Gallup. Chicken feet. City Lamb. Chicken feet. Just big play guys, man. Big play guys. One big play that I saw was Michael Gallup catching the out route, breaking the tackle, and getting 22 yards. That's it. I saw C.D. Lamb catch a pass, 33 yards, I think. That was it. Amari Cooper, 10 catches for what? Make the plays, because the next game I talk about who had opportunities or, say, weapons of sort of to throw to that are now, I'm going to say, considered weapons because you better start saying it. But look at this. Overpaid, Mark Cooper. Get in the end zone. 14 targets, 10 catches. Because the one thing I can say about DeAndre Hopkins is he didn't get a touchdown but 14 catches but 100 yards. But the difference he made makes this difference. Amari, because you got to get in that end zone, at least, or at least try it with Zeke or something. What I mean, like, you come all the way to this point to where it looked like I was going to get blown out, but then it looked like, okay, Rams are going to choke. Jared Goff said, okay, we're going to make some plays. Penalties, yes. Van Der Esch getting hurt, yes. But golly, man. Sunday night football, they was the favorites to win this game. They were supposed to go out there and look like juggernauts. Go for it on three first, fourth downs, you only get one. Three and 12 on third downs. Now, I mean, Rams were 9 and 17, but at least they got 17 of them. They got nine of them. Better percentage. Whew, man. I just feel bad for Mike McCarthy, who's going to have to go through this week in, week out, and critiquing him and things of that nature. Because and up in Green Bay, it was so like, you know, he didn't start getting criticized till two years after they won the Super Bowl. So it was meekly quiet. It was just like he could do what he could do and stuff like that. Every day it's going to be Mike McCarthy, this, Dak, this, and this, and this, and that. Zeke's new tattoo, and, you know, they got to get it together. And I want to talk about the stadium. The so hot, the, what is it? The so fast stadium? Beautiful. Beautiful stadium. Beautiful stadium. Beautiful stadium. That stadium is beautiful. Uniforms, atrocious. Out of everybody's uniforms, they brought out new ones. I like the Buccaneers. I like the Falcons. And I like 
Oh, I like what the Jets did last year with their uniforms, and I like the um, Chargers uniform. Chargers uniforms were nice. The Rams, oh my God. Chargers had the best uniforms of the day, I think, I want to say. Chargers are the best new uniforms of the day. Yeah. Those away jerseys were awesome. And those are immaculate. Look, Rams, Jesus Christ. Those look like cheap. They just look cheap. Now, the only thing I like about them are the helmets. And I liked how they was trying to do with the colors on the white or grayish type base color. But it was just, it looked cheap. It looked real cheap. It looked like I got from Sport Mart. I didn't like them. And, it, you know, I just didn't like them. I like the Chargers uniforms. I like the Falcons. The Falcons home uniforms are fire. Speaking of which, we're going to talk about that. Like I said, that wide receiver core that, that went off is the most basic uniform that's never going to change, and that's the Green Bay Packers. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers and his season of like, oh, I'm going to draft a quarterback, huh? 32-44-364, four touchdowns, no picks, 127 passer rating. Aaron Rodgers, the only thing different about him, as I mentioned yesterday, is the discount, discount double-check running ability might die. He ain't going to run no more. He's not getting hurt. He had a wide-open touchdown in the red zone. Wide-open touchdown. He could have ran into this little discount, double-check and all that. That's not him no more. Passed up on it. Throw it away. I think they scored on that drive, I want to say. The red zone was going all over the place. Another thing I want to talk about, NFL red zone. Uh, same host, but a different camera dude or something like that. I don't know what the heck's going on. Quit going three screens. That was horrible. Get it together. The red zone needed to get it together. They must have been rusty or something like that. The use of the red zone is a wonderful thing to watch. They need to get that together. But Aaron Rodgers, man, was throwing it all over the place. Devontae Adams was making plays. Um, Valdez Scantley, one of my favorite wide receivers out there, was making plays. But 14 catches, 156 yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Adams talked big shit this summer. He did. And, I, and, I, and hey, that's, hey, he deserved it. 14 catches, 156 yards, two touchdowns. I thought that I would repeat that. On 17 targets. Jamal Williams. I don't like that guy. I like Aaron Jones, but I like A.J. Dillon. Flip those carries. Get Jamal Williams out of there. He was all right last year. Aaron Jones is that deal. But I don't know about this Jamal Williams kid, man. They kept they was they was trying to give it to him out there on the passes and stuff like that. They was trying to do a little thing. Nah, 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 nah. I don't like him. Jamal Williams, not that guy. Um, but I do, however, like AJ Dillon. And he only got two carries. And he had uh with that carry, seven yards of cap. So that tells you why I like him. Hopefully he gets the ball more. But I like their wide receivers, man. They're not super great, but you got one star in Devontae. But I like Valdez Scantley. I like Lazard. So, I mean, like, they have something there. And they got a tight end, Josiah DeGuire. Had one catch for 12 yards. But the wide receiver core, I like with Green Bay. Um... They probably could have went out and got somebody, but they like Valdez. Valdez is nice. Valdez, y'all go get who? You know, go get who? Getting tired of maybe Aaron Rodgers getting hurt, and then we can bring in a bum, and and we can't shine anymore. So you get Jordan Love. Okay. Okay. 
Let's just see, though, because y'all not as deep as these other teams. So we'll see. But I like what I saw from Green Bay. Minnesota, they didn't give up now. Minnesota didn't give up. They started to come back. I just didn't think that they wanted to give Dalvin Cook a whole lot of, you know, hits, maybe. He only had 12 carries. They were loading the box. You know, the defensive line for Green Bay is is stout. Adam Thielen, uh, eight targets, six catches, 110. was very efficient for him. Just got to get somebody else to step up and be somebody. You know, Johnson's going to have to step up. They need us another guy. You know, Jefferson is somebody they got. He's going to have to step up. You know, everybody knows about Justin Jefferson. So, they got to have to find another guy to, to make plays to be in the game early is that to try to make comebacks the way they did. Um, um, teams that, the, the teams that try to make a big comeback, like I've seen in Minnesota, we're going to get into a team that actually succeeded. But they... Uh, with more time, probably could have did something, but they didn't have nobody to get going early. It took a while for Adam Thielen to really get going and, and things of that nature. So I see some promise in them, but the only thing the Minnesota's really going to lack in is defense to where they, you know, you got guys that are not as good when you miss certain pieces, and you miss pieces uh, with Minnesota, with Griffin, Everson Griffin gone, and people like that. Anthony Barr is going to have to really step up. Kendricks was. Called one of the best middle linebackers in the league. He's going to step up and really make some plays, and Harrison Smith as well. So these guys are now on their own. They're not accompanied with these other guys that they had that made them so good about three, two, three years ago when they was, you know, one one play away from uh, going to a, uh, um, a Super Bowl because they went to a conference title and lost. Um, so, yeah, Minnesota is not horrible. But it goes to show that Green Bay is back to being this get down the field and this attack and stop worrying about we need a running back. Give the, give the ball to Dylan. Let it uh, let it out. Because this is one offense you can say to where an extended handoff to somebody is good with Aaron Rodgers. But they do need to get somebody who's going to be able to run the ball. But they're not going to be able to do this every game. But it's good to see Aaron Rodgers Look pissed off. I can end it with that. He looked pissed. Raiders, Carp, Panthers, not too much to talk about there other than Nelson Aguilar caught a pass for a touchdown on a deep route. Shocking. Um, but Carolina came back in that game. Looked like that was going to be interesting. Derek Carr, good, efficient game. But the way he throws the ball, he got those zip. He got to take some chances. I wanted to see that more. Henry Ruggs, hope he's okay. He got hurt in the middle of that game. Josh Jacobs showed why he should have won rookie of the year. He didn't. Um, uh, yeah, he did. No, he didn't. He showed why he should have he won rookie of the year. He was, he was excellent. He was, he, was, he was damn good. Josh Jacobs, man, 98 yards, got some catches, scored some touchdowns. He looked good. The defense for the Raiders. Just don't give up. He was looking great. Just don't give up in the middle of the game like that. Because, you know, Chris McCaffrey can't win on his own. But if you let him get going, then look what happened. Teddy Bridgewater made some good plays. He ran on some plays. That was good. He got down. I saw some good things from both teams. Raiders got the W. Dolphins, Patriots, great to see Cam Newton back out there. Cam Newton was ready to go. He was pumped up. Wasn't ready to get the whole bunch of passing. Of course, Bill Belichick wasn't going to let him throw 30 passes out there. He only threw 19. Went 15 to 19. No interceptions. Got sacked twice. He didn't get hit a whole, whole lot. Um, that's a that's a that's a that's a new change right there. Edelman, 
They ran a little jet sweep with him. That was nice. He had seven targets. He had five catches. So everybody had a good day. Um, uh, one thing I can say is that they played the Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick was in there. Tua didn't get in there. He went 20 or 30. Um, didn't really see nothing great, great from them. But just uh, I know give up attitude. They're a pro team. I saw um, something I liked out of um, the draft pick. They got Wilkins out of Clemson. He's looking like a leader. He's a leader. And, you know, that's that's big on them. Shaq Lawson's going to have to show up. Um, only had one tackle. You know what I'm saying? Just stuff like that. If you're going to be that guy, be that guy. I remember you supposed to be that guy, Shaq. So, um, the goal in the other games is that a crazy push-off offensive pass interference led Joe Burrow to be 0-1. Joe Burrow had heroics. Joe Burrow showed he could run the ball. Joe Burrow gave himself a D. I would give him a B- because – with what it was, for what it's worth, you went against a good defense that Joey Bosa on it, and there were some areas where you can work on. But other than that, I mean, like, you didn't look too, too bad. I give him a C. I, okay, C+. Plus. I give him a C+. Plus. If he want to give himself a D, that's fine. They should have won the game. Tyrod Taylor, I just need you to take chances so you won't lose your chance. Take chances so you won't lose your chance. You were supposed to really kind of blow this guy off the field. 16-30, 208, too many throwaways. I understand you don't want to make mistakes, stuff like that, but your 75 QBR rating is not going to cut it. And they're going to be putting in uh, um, Justin Herbert in a heartbeat. Please, Tyrod, help me help you. I'm a big fan. I want you to stay out there. The run game's going to have to help him out. Eckler had 84 yards. But, God, I need him to stay in the game. He don't like to throw picks, but he's not going to throw touchdowns if you don't have the energy or have the mindset to say, hey, if I throw a pick, short memory, man. Take a chance. You got Keenan Allen. You got Mike Williams. Uh, Virgil Green is, is athletic. Hunter Henry, for crying out loud. Y'all got to get it going. This Jalen Guyton guy could be good. Just come on. Come on, Tyrod. You're killing me. He's killing me. They gave him 30 pass attempts, man. All you can do is complete 16. Shit. Arizona. 49ers, that was a good game. Kyler Murray made some great plays when the when the pressure when the plays broke down. He extended, made some great plays. 26 to 42, 30. Jimmy Garoppolo, 19 to 33. Jimmy G can't throw a spiral five times in a row. He can throw one, but he can't throw five of them in a row. And that fourth or third, that, that third or fourth one is looking god awful, and it's just it's it's it's, it's head to a bad territory. He didn't throw no picks, thank God. But it's just bad balls, and he overthrows, and he isn't there. But he's just—he's he, there to hit the running backs and, and, and the tight ends. Jordan Reed there with two catches, and uh, George Kittle got hurt, but came back had four catches. Big thing is Jerry McKinnon—he's not going to be your guy. Raheem Mostert—I think he's going to come down to earth. And Tevin Coleman—I don't even think he was uh, 100% going into this, so uh, I knew he wasn't going to be great with that. But what you want to see from the good things for the Cardinals size is that their run game, along with Calvin Murray, 13 rushes, 91 yards. You got Kenyon Drake, 60 yards. And Chase Edmonds, who had a good breakout last season. Those three guys could be a terror for this season because one of them passes the ball. <laughs> Hopkins, 14 catches, 151 yards. Four catches, 34 yards for Larry Fitzgerald. And they know that they're not going to get in the end zone a whole lot with Kyler Murray. They just want to try to win games with Cliff Kingsbury. 
high energy. You know, he's running up and down the sidelines trying to get timeouts and stuff. Like I said, man, I got to see a lot of good football, a lot of bad football. Bad football comes from Philadelphia Eagles, who was up 17 points against the Washington football team. Who? The Washington football team. Not the Redskins. Not the, what they were supposed to be, the Wolves, or people thought they were going to be the Hogs. They're the Washington football team. They were down 17-0. They were on their way to LaughField.com. LaughField, USA. They were going to Joke State. Okay? Guess what happened? Dwayne Haskins, Haskins went over to that defense and said, hey, y'all keep doing what y'all doing. I'm going to stop fucking up. Y'all keep doing what y'all doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do something better. Because he was looking god off. He was pretty afraid at the point where they were getting scored on. The defense had to keep coming out there. But the defense did not quit Matt Leonidas, Leonidas, two and a half, one and a half sack. Jonathan Allen, sack. Chase Young, two sacks. You know what I'm saying? Montez Sweat, sack. You know, John Bostick, sack. Ryan Carrigan, two sacks. That is what they kept going after him, kept going after him, kept going after him, kept going after him. Who they keep going after? A person that is weak. A person that can, that can really break down under pressure. And that is Carson Wentz. A person that has got time and all that time and do all that stuff. They can pass. They call walk it to him and do all that stuff like that. But when you put pressure on his ass, 72 passer rating is what you get. 24-42, two interceptions. Eight sacks. He got hit way more times than that. Only had two rushing yards. And this was a guy that ran, remember? Carson runs two rushing yards. You don't have Miles Sanders. He's out. So you don't really have a running back. Boston Scott, who is this guy? You know what I'm saying? 3.9 yards a carry, but nine carries. Dallas Garner, eight catches, 101 yards. Ertz wasn't that big catch guy, but he got a touchdown. So did Dallas Garner. No touchdowns from the wide receiver. Only wide receiver that made a play was the rookie, Jalen Rager from USC, who, I mean, from uh, TCU, who was going to make plays. Duh. He's a monster. Freak of nature. Jalen Rager, man, he's going to be good. But you got to give him the ball. One catch? Come on. Which was a hell of a catch, too. I think somebody tried to uh, compare him to uh, Jeremy Macklin. I think he's going to be way better than that. Um, but anyway, Eagles, man. They lost 17-point lead and lost to the Redskins. <laughs> That's all I can talk about that. <laughs> Big ups to Dwayne Haskins. And Ron Rivera, who had to sit there and take an IV at halftime so he can be on the sidelines for the complete game. You know he's fighting cancer and everything. Prayers goes to him. Ron Rivera 1-0 in the NFC East, and the Eagles are not, and the Cowboys ain't either. Whoa. Who would have thought that? Now, let's keep it moving. Atlanta, Seattle, a team who I feel who was very scary in this NFL, along with a team that I, you know, talked about already. The Seattle Seahawks are scary. Scary, scary, scary. Actually, I didn't get to talk about the other team. We'll next. One thing I pointed out, they're scary 38 points is that Matt Ryan is a good quarterback. He's not what you would call a Super Bowl quarterback or a legend. Or, you know, he's a great quarterback. I'm going to call him that. He's a great quarterback. But he's just not a great in those moments to where you, if he don't get him again, we might not say that he was able to be great in those moments. 
if you get what I'm saying. In the Super Bowl, I'm not going to go into all that. But you know what I mean by he just, when we, the battle of the conversation, if he's a leader or not. But 450 yards, two touchdowns with what he's got to work with on the offensive line level, the man was getting hit every other play. So they need to fix that. But he's still 37-54. But you got Julio Jones, man. You better do some of, the, some of that. You know what I'm saying? It's like Kyler Murray with DeAndre Hopkins or um, um, with, with, you know, that situation where you got a good quarterback, good to great, that can get somebody that's really great in a wide receiver, you're going to get that. But Russell Cage, not catching 114 yards. Calvin Ridley, not catching 138 yards. And they got tubs, you know what I'm saying, except Julio and, and Gage. But um, Calvin Ridley got two tubs. Calvin Ridley ran the ball. You know, he got a running attempt it was for loss. So they're trying different things. Every team is trying to bring in some college-type plays and stuff like that, whatever. The thing about Seattle is that they didn't change. They didn't variate. They just did what they do year in and year out, just added some new talent, and we're going to do the same thing. We're going to see how it works. The one bad thing I saw was Tyler Lockett. I mean, not Tyler Lockett, with DK Metcalf drop a pass on an easy little hitch route. After that, he scores a touchdown. Then, then Tyler Lockett goes crazy. Then we got Osa scores a touchdown. Russell Wilson is looking real good. He runs the ball now. Had is running hard. Chris Carson's running hard. But as a team, as a team, they are looking scary, man. They're just looking scary. All across the board, they're looking totally, totally, totally scary. And they are just like, whoa. And it's not the whole point of saying, like, they're looking just unstoppable. They should have won by shutout. I'm just saying how scary they look. Jamal Adams is playing out of his mind. He's playing for the freaking Legion of Boom. His version of it. So Atlanta, a good team. They're not a shitty team at all. They're going to win some games this year. They look good. That's why I say Seattle looks really scary. Now, talk about those scary teams. They didn't play a very scary team, the Cleveland Browns. But Baltimore, my God, they can do this to any other team in the league. So somebody tries to say, oh, look who they playing. But look who they playing. That, that don't mean shit. Look at them. 20 and 25, 275, three touchdowns, Lamar Jackson. Throwing passes that his guys can get. They're not against any team, it don't matter. Mark Ingram. When he's needed, Lamar Jackson. When he's needed, now they got a new weapon, J.K. Dobbins. When he's needed, two touchdowns. Willie Sneed, he's getting better. Andrews, better and better. Marquise Brown, man, he's getting so much better. So, when you get better, 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 you got the best kicker. Now you got Calais Campbell. Now you got leadership with him. Marcus Peters out there playing better. Marlon Humphrey, better. <laughs> Matt Judon, really good. Patrick Queen, really, really good. They're scary. There's no team other than the Green Bay Packers on offense. I didn't see. I didn't really see it on defense because they they allowed that that fiasco to happen. Because like I said, the difference between Seattle and Atlanta is that Matt Ryan is really good. Kirk Cousins not. He's not. He's not really good. So when I look at that, I'm like, my God, are you crazy? So I'm going to be back with this down to the uh, end of this segment, and we're going to talk about NBA. We're going to talk about the rest of that. But that's and we're going to fit cap finish capping off the NFL. When I come back here in a few. Is that look at the scariness of, of of what you might have saw if you watched a complete game of the red zone of the Ra- of the Ravens or the Seahawks and compare it to other teams score thirty points. The Saints. Look at the stats. Not that very scary. Uh 
The Raiders. Duh. Chiefs is the only other team. So you got the Chiefs, Ravens, Seahawks. Scary. Scary, scary. All right, good people. Sauce Talk is back. Like I said, breaking this down in segments. Right now, we want to finish off the NFL. We want to break down the other sports, especially the NBA. We want to talk a little bit of boxing and things scattered and things of that nature. But uh, in continuation, like I said, I was talking about just the scariest teams in the NFL. And like I said, I put Chiefs, Seahawks, and Ravens up in that up in that cabinet by themselves. Saints, I will put underneath that as a leading team by themselves. Maybe possibly might put the Rams with them with what they got going. They slowed down and sputtered a little bit. Can't put the 49ers up there. I can't put the Raiders up there. Don't trust it. And then I can't put the Bears up there. We're going to talk about that game. DeAndre Swift, you're a running back. I understand that. Catch the ball, ball down, you win the game. You try to catch it, turn around, do that little thing. You dropped it. Then secure it, you lose. But, Matt Stafford, you got to beat Mr. Trubisky, man. Bigger picture here is that you was in position to get a game with a touchdown. But the other big picture is that you had the same stats, or worse, than Mitchell Trubisky. Big ups to Adrian Peterson, 14 carries, 93 yards. At his age, can still do the things he can do. But Matt Stafford, Marvin Jones, Hawkinson, all these talented guys that you got. I, I I just I just don't see it. I just don't see how you can be that inept against. Now the only thing I can say is the Bears defense is awesome. I mean the Bears defense is great. I mean you saw many many plays that was about to be made um, by Eddie Jackson or uh, Cal Fuller or Buster Screen, Tony Gibson. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they've got people. King Hicks, man. Mingo, Cleo Mack being the leader, Roquan Smith, Jalen Johnson, who may almost made the hell of an interception. But uh, Cal Fuller, big up on the ones he made. On the one he made. But, uh, yeah, I mean, but you got to beat Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky, man. Find ways, man. Find ways. But Marvin Smith, Marvin Jones made some good plays. Um, Danny Amendola was always available. Seven targets. Just got to get everybody else in line, involved. He's going to make bigger plays. Danny, Danny Amendola is not going to beat um, a Bears defense. He's going to get the catches, but he's not going to beat them. Um, so they got to get that cleaned up. And the Bears scratched away, you know, luckily with a win and didn't even put in Nick Foles at all and had this guy out there with three touchdown passes and throw a pick. I mean, hey, that's that. <laughs> I mean, that is that right there. That man did not um, throw an interception. He got sacked once. Um, we ran the ball 30 for six yards. They kept him in. Jimmy Graham got a touchdown. They're just not going to do this against other teams. They're just not. I don't see it happening, period. None whatsoever. Them being successful throughout the season. 
unless the defense does it. And they're going to keep this guy in because he's athletic and can run and do things like that and, and extend plays. And that could be the strategy for the season. Don't bring in Nick Foles, a guy you're going to have to drop back and make these timely plays and accurate passes to where it's going to be a lot of three and outs. Maybe it's the offensive line. They don't want that, and then the defense is going to have to stay out there on the field. So maybe they're like, man, Mitch Trubisky can at least, you know, razzle-dazzle some plays or whatever, pull some out of his ass while our defense gets a rest and comes out there and does what they do, and then he comes back out there and does that again because it looks like the Bears' time of possession-wise, if I'm not mistaken, by a minute, did pretty well. See, so did Detroit because they both ran the ball. So I think that's what they're going to really try to do this season with that, if they're going to keep Mitchell in the game. But, you know, Monday night, we got Giants and Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger coming back, going against Daniel Jones. Can't wait to see Saquon out there. And then we're going to see Derrick Henry going against Melvin Gordon. So some James Conner, Saquon, Derrick Henry, Melvin Gordon, uh, Cortland Sutton. You know what I'm saying? We're going to be seeing him. We're going to be seeing Locke. We'll see two young quarterbacks going against some vets in Tannehill and Mr. Roethlisberger. Tannehill being the, the lesser of that veteran, uh, but he's still a veteran nonetheless. Signed some new money. Got a new home. Feeling real at home in Tennessee where they beat Tom Brady in, in the playoffs. And was about to try to beat the, the Chiefs, but eh, it's not that easy. So we're going to see them tonight at 10-20. We're going to see the Steelers at 7-10. So it's two Monday night games we can see later on tonight. Like I said, Thursday night, we got the Browns and the Bengals. Joe Burrow versus Baker. And I'm not talking about Baker today. Six points and too many fucked up plays to be breaking him down and talking about what went wrong with the Browns. All I know is that the Ravens look really good. And to the Browns win a game or score a touchdown or something, I might talk about them. Now we'll keep it moving. One thing to worry about in this NFL season is that a bunch of positive tests for COVID and then some things start messing up. A quarterback catches it and has to sit out a game. These are the things that we got to cross our fingers and pray that don't happen. So after week one, I'm going to take this moment of silence and cross the fingers and say, hey, God, for week two, let us have another good results on the coronavirus testing, just like week one. Everybody's good, can make it to the game, because we already got to worry about injuries. Seen Kittle get hurt. I didn't see, you know, Cameron Harris from Miami Hurricanes get hurt and their win against UAB. I've seen injuries out here, and I don't want to see COVID cases because it just will fuck everything up so god if you if you're listening look out for these players and coaches trainers front office people and it's going to be interacting with players and stuff like that so just keep a good eye out and be good um during sunday's games where people flock into sunday ticket and red zones and and going to certain places they probably shouldn't be in the crowds to watch football. There was a basketball game that went on. Game six, Nuggets versus Clippers that came on early that people thought, that ah, Clippers going to get this team on out of here. People can enjoy the rest of their football. 
Man, did it look like that. 68 to 40 something, I think it was. 40, it was 68 to 46 or something like that. Clippers were doing what they were supposed to do. They were up. Lou Williams was scoring. Kawhi Leonard was out there scoring. It just looked like they was they was wearing their, their Nipsey Hustle, Crenshaw, whatever you want to call it, uniforms. You know what I'm saying? They were out there doing what they do. 33 points, Paul George. You know what I'm saying? 39 minutes. 25 points, 41 minutes. Kawhi Leonard doing what they're doing. Stuff like that. So they can get ready to play the Lakers. They're getting ready to play the Lakers. Western Conference Finals kicking off. Sight! Hold on. I forgot to talk about the stats for the Nuggets. 34-14-7, Jokic, 21-5-5, five five, Murray, 16-2-4, Gary Harris, 13-7 for the rookie, Michael Porter. They won the game. The Nuggets came back and won the game. I'm going to tell you a story. Watching Red Zone. Flip to this game. See that the scores is crazy. Flip back to Red Zone. Flip back to the game to see the Nuggets going a little run. I'm like, oh, just a little run. It was 54 to 68, something like that. I think Nuggets were coming down court. Harris, you know what I'm saying, gets an M1. And you're like, okay, okay. Turn the channel back to football. I'm trying to watch football, man. I'm like, this is football. Enjoying the, the, the football so much, forgot about the Clippers and Nuggets game. And at this point, I'm like, oh, the Clippers probably won. We can flick back. And there's Jamal Murray doing the interview. There's Jokic happy. They forced game seven. How does this happen to where back-to-back series, they come back down for 3-1 to force game seven, but how do they do it against a team that is so hyped to beat the Lakers and win the title because they got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, but 13 turnovers came late. They lose on assist. But forget about numbers. Let's, let's talk about game situations. What happened? What happens at the end of games where the Clippers fall apart? Because it's not just a Nuggets thing. Mavericks, regular season. I mean, that's not mentioned that the, the last time the Lakers beat the, the, the Clippers in the regular season, they were winning the game in those two times. Just be real. We had to come back and, and take it now. We didn't come back in 2017, but they were winning. They looked like, oh, the Clippers going to win this game. But somehow they mess up and lose. Patrick Beverly takes late shots, don't need to. He puts himself in a position where he has to be making some type of play. He can't do that. Did you see what Patrick, Patrick Beverly did? Did we know what the stats see that man did? I totally looked past his name. He had a hell of a game. Patrick Beverly, let's find him. 17 minutes, two points, two rebounds, four assists. That man ball. Two turnovers. Are you kidding me? He balled. You know why he didn't take a three in this game? Because he took an unnecessary one in the last one they lost. Stop it. Quit talking and yip yapping and just do your job and stop somebody when they need to be stopped. Because you're not really all built like that. Two, Paul George. Picks and chooses when he wants to be Paul George. Kawhi Leonard can't stand that. 
Kawhi Leonard can't do this by himself. Zubak is a liability. Patrick Patterson is a liability right now. So their bigs are not bigs. Harrell is not a big to me. Harrell is like a small forward that's going to make plays. Jermichael Green's out there floating around shooting threes. Hitting threes is all well and good, just like using rockets. But if you can't knuckle up and be brutal down low, or at least skillful to score points, how are you going to win? Just like Kawhi Leonard. You know, he can get in there about as good as he can. He's shooting little fadeaways and little baby jumpers. But you, everybody else got to be able to. You're not going to make every runner, Lou Williams. How physical can you be? They were supposed to be the tougher, rougher team. They got they got dogs. They kept adding this and adding this and adding this, whatever. Nah. Let's, let's be real. The Nuggets looking more deep. They looking like they bringing more guys to least disrupt. I ain't talking about guys on points. I'm talking about just coming in and get minutes. Mason Plumlee can do positive things with a block here or something. Who knows? Monty Morris. I not Harris. I said Harris. Monty Morris. 10 points, 4 assists. Michael Porter. You know what he can bring. But it's the runouts and things like that that, that shows up. That don't show up on the paper. Bob Millsap, 21 minutes, 6 points, man. You're starting to get circles blown past you, bro, bro. And they're finding out you out the lineup, they're looking a lot better without you. I'm seeing that. Pick and choose when to play Paul Millsap. Malone, you're a smart man, and y'all starting to pay dividends. Back-to-back series. I'm not trying to call out Paul Millsap. He's a good player, but sometimes you about limited, especially as you get longer in the tooth. He's limited. Can't wait for tomorrow, game seven. In game one of Heat in the Celtics. Tatum versus Paul George. I mean, versus Jimmy Butler. But Paul George, man, 33 points. You thought, like, man, five steals. Man, this guy's, you know, doing what he do. But how do you shut it off when you didn't need it the most? Recap. Shall we? Over the next 10 minutes of the game, after George, and we're talking about Paul George here, okay? Hit a three-pointer after halftime for a 19-point lead. Okay? Leonard made a pair of free throws with eight minutes and 20 seconds left in the game in the third quarter. It was 73 to 55. The Nuggets were already going to push, but there was a play that George made, and then Leonard gets fouled, makes free throws. He's like, okay, here we go. Remember, I told you it was 68 to 40 something, and then here comes the Nuggets. So after those buckets, over the next 10 minutes, the Nuggets outscored the Clippers 30 to 8. They had eight different guys scoring. In that stretch. Paul George says it's not that we don't respect him. We respect the opponent. They got this far for a reason. They've been together for a while, so they're a connected group. They've been here. They've been a part of a lot of Game 7s. Bruh, you've been a part of some Game 7s too. Might I add the wave? Might I add the layup from LeBron James? 
Might I add. Fool, you've been in these situations too. Now, you might not have been with the Clippers long, but you're a superstar. Supposedly, with another superstar. That's got two six man award guys who've won, who won it last year and a guy who won it this year. With three point shooters and Doc Rivers. All I'm trying to say is that, dog, don't sit there and say they got this far for a reason. Yeah, you're right. They've been here together. They've been together for a while. They've been here. Bro, you've been there too. You've been in the Eastern Conference Finals. You've been in the playoffs time and time again. Y'all might not be a connected group like them, but you've been a part of some Game 7s. In your life. Knuckle up, son. In those big moments. 33 points and five steals and all that stuff didn't show up at the end of the game. That's all I'm saying. You hit a three shortly after halftime to make it a 19-point lead. Leonard, later on, gets his. But y'all just shut down? Y'all just let them just say, hey, 30 to 8. it. Why don't y'all guys just take over and do it? I can't quit in the middle of the game. Seemed like which I did. I mean, hell, Zubak got 12 rebounds. George was 11-11 for the free throw line. Leonard did have a bad game. Just y'all quit when y'all not supposed to. When people are, oh, the Lakers, look how the Lakers give up the lead. But we win those games. Because we got LeBron James. And he knows how to do it. And now we got Rondo. If they win this game... I don't want a lot of analysts and I don't want a lot of fans or a lot of people sitting there like, oh, hey, hey, here we go. Lakers in trouble. I want the narrative to be, now nah, the Clippers limp their asses to the Western Conference Finals now. Nah, you know what I'm saying? It should be more of Lakers being the favorite, right? It's been so much the Clippers being the favorite even though the Lakers are number one seed. And it's always because of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And like I said, 9 of 21 with 33 points. Come on. You're a superstar, right? It's 42%. Kawhi Leonard, 25 points or 44%. That's a little bit better. But Paul George, if you weren't hitting threes, you'd be a piece of shit. That's all I'm saying. Keep it moving. Celtics heat. What I expect from that series. I'm not even going to pick a winner yet on this Nuggets and Clippers. Cause I just, I'm a Lakers fan, and I'm I'm wanting to see my Lakers succeed. So I'm just I'm ready for anybody. I'm not picking a winner for this. I just want to see a good game. But moving on, I want to talk about um, this Heat Celtics series on how how much I love it because you have coaching being at its finest. As you see with Doc Rivers and Mike Malone, I mean like. Malone is running circles around Doc Rivers. He's got the better team. As you can see, Stotts wasn't up to par with Vogel. As you can see, Mike D'Antoni is not up to par in the playoffs with other guys that that knows what to do. And Paul George knows how Vogel is, and, and he's gonna he's gonna find that out in the West Conference if they win this game. But when you got Stevens and Spolstra, two guys that are young. Two guys that were just sponges. Two guys that just know how to learn 
as much as they could from uh, guys they looked up to. Spolstra was able to be in the pro scene to be up around Pat Riley and those guys. Stevens, of course, probably looked up to college guys that he's seen or rubbed elbows with. That's all that matters. The love and the passion for it. Doesn't matter how old you need to be or the experience and stuff like that. Yeah, you get some guys that are in their 50s or 60s and stuff like that, but they've been coaching for a long time. But just get young guys, young guys in their 30s to understand people, players, and how to get them to do the things that they can do to succeed on the court. Going head to head with players that you'll be like, how did they make it to this point? You got you leaving Greek freak out of this. You leaving the defending champs out of this. You're leaving a team that with all that they've been through of tanking and all stuff and Joel and B, Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons gets hurt but you still got that B, they play a little bit better without Ben Simmons and then they get to that. So you got these big names that are out, but the only big names you can hear right now is Tatum and Jimmy Butler. Bam, Marcus Smart, Kimba, Drogic. You know, I'm just like, what? Why? Because the men that are on the sideline is getting these really, really good players in line in the best possible position. And you give it to the front office too, Pat Riley, Danny Ainge. Is the is the fruition of what they have able to do, and people are like, oh, they're not doing this. They ain't gonna get Durant. They're not gonna get LeBron back. And uh, I'm talking about the Heat. And then we talk about when you talk about the Heat, you talk about the Celtics. Oh, they gotta get Durant. Oh, they didn't keep Kyrie. Oh, they couldn't get him. Oh, they couldn't get him. They got Kim. Oh, I don't know about Kim. And what about Hayward? And Hay- Look at them. They're right there in the Eastern Conference Finals. Through the years of saying all oh, this and that, you hear what I'm saying? Both of these teams were championship teams when they had Garnett, Ray Allen, and so forth. Paul Pierce. They were champions when it was Bosch, James, Wade, Shaq. Rondo. Gotta throw in that four and four. But do you know what I'm saying? Those names, the names. Not so much the coaching. Doc Rivers, yeah. Spostra, you see what I'm meaning? You know, Pat Riley was the coach of that team that got a championship, and you can see it was at the end of the road. And then you see what they had to do to get back there to get LeBron James. LeBron James, yeah. Somebody learned about a Pat Riley. Spostra! Film guy. Bradley Stevens almost took down Duke. Took teams to the Final Four. I don't know those players. Hayward. Shelvin Mack. Is it? That's all I can think of. I can't think of another player. Not a one. That's it. And they got their teams to the Eastern Conference Finals. Tyler Hero, it's one of my heroes. UK kid, played one year. One thing I like about him the most is that confidence is through the roof. In high school, people 
doubted him, and he showed up and balled out everywhere he went. Bam out of Bayou, UK kid, got a lot of respect for him, work ethic, crazy, plays defense, rebounds, adding offense to a game. You can't complain about that. Then you put the pieces, you did the smart things, you get Eagle Dollar, Crowder, Drogic now has, you know, help to pass along with Kendrick Nunn and stuff. Kelly Olenek, a stretch four, who can play defense, can run guys off the three-point line, and he can rebound. He can hit threes. You got Robert Williams, who is just like a high-efficient, high, high, high efficient, good rebounder. He was a character problem guy. He's on the court playing good. Tice, hit threes, spaced the floor. Gordon Hayward's supposed to be coming back. He's practicing now. Back to the Heat, Eagle Dollar, Duncan uh, Robinson. Back to the Celtics, Smart. And all these, you hear these names? Are these guys are high on awards, MVP, six man, this and that? No, but they, this, this series could be the best series in the freaking season. I mean, you know, we just had a great one with the Nuggets and uh, the Nuggets and Jazz. Now we're about to have another one with the Nuggets and Clippers. We had one with the the Celtics and Raptors. But this one right here is special because Jimmy Butler, man, this guy has been through so much. And to, to sit there and just be called like, oh, he ain't really that good. He ain't that big of a star. He ain't that. Look at it. Look what he's doing. He's he's leading. He's leading. He's making sure everybody's accountable. He's he's the one on the sideline like, hey, y'all come over here. You do this. Stuff like that. Stuff we've seen on the last dance. We've seen him do. I'm not calling Michael Jordan. No, I'm not calling that man Michael Jordan. The freaking attitude and what you have to do is what I'm saying. When he got called over in that bench, when they went up 3-0 against the, uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks, he got everybody over there. Hey, when they lost that next game, he didn't want to sit there and say, hey, man, we got complacent. We, we did this. I, we, I took my foot off the gas as well. He put himself in front of that. So he's the leader of that. It's like Jamal Murray, who takes the reins over the Nuggets. And you see that how that works. Jason Tatum takes over the reins of the Celtics. See how that works. The Raptors didn't have nobody like that. Kyle Larry is the is the leader that whatever that is, but you gotta have somebody to get it done. Pascal Siakam was supposed to do that. He came up short. You might have a vocal guy like a smart, just like a Larry who's gonna make the tough defensive plays, gonna hit some big shots and stuff like that, or whatever. Hustle plays and stuff. Kimball Walker is going to be that guy as well. He's a big heart guy and stuff like that. But look at Tatum. Give me the ball. The rebound. That type of stuff. The drive to the lane. Get the layup. That's what I'm talking about. So Jimmy Butler, Greek free guard in the fourth quarter. He can't guard me. Makes a layup on Greek free. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I wanted whenever people are like, oh, the Rockets, look at they beat, they won game one against the Lakers. Like, no points in the fourth quarter for LeBron. They lost game one against Portland. No fourth quarter points for AD. Come after the eight, game two and game three, game four, you see that it's different when a number one team who's supposed to 
I just think a little bit sometimes they got to find about what they got to do and how a team's going to come at them. But in this conference finals, you're going to see a different type of aggression. And I think that's what those lower class teams, AFC, 7C, 6C, but now we got a, what, a Heat is what, 6? And then you got the, the, the Celtics being a 3C? Like, or no, they're the, the Celtics are the, I know there's not one and two. You got to have that type of energy, that type of focus, that type of determination to push a team that feels like, man, we might as well lose this game, man. Jimmy Butler, like, no, the fuck we're not. Jason Tatum, like, no, we're not. Marcus Smart, no, we're not. Jamal Murray, no, we're not. You got lax people, Lou Williams. Paul George thinking like, we don't respect them. They bums. We go to the strip club get some wings. Daniel House, man, we got them, man. We they got that game too, but you know what I'm saying. We ain't worried about that. We almost beat them game three. I'm gonna sneak his chick in the room. Russell Westbrook, I ain't worried about no Lakers. They can't stop me. Turnover, turnover, turnover. Miss layup, miss layup, miss layup. Miss, 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 miss. James Harden, I can go one on one and just take over anytime I want to. Nope, it's too late. Jamal Murray, different. Jimmy Butler, different. AD, different. LeBron, different. Tatum, different. Kemba, different. From what I've seen in this playoffs, all I've seen, especially the past eight playoffs with the Rockets, with James Harden coming up short. But this time you get to see, okay, Nuggets went seven games with the Portland Trailblazers last season, and you saw some things. And you saw they had trouble finding out who's going to make a play. Who's going to do what? It's not a problem no more. Jamal Murray said, give me the fucking ball. Joker's just saying, give me the ball. It's not a problem no more. They probably could have beat Portland last year, but they didn't have that. They, they had that problem. Portland didn't. They never do. Give Dame the ball. Give CJ the ball. The only problem they have is defense. And also, I feel they can't get over the hump without which is going to sound hard. To me, you need that one guy that you can keep on the floor to play hard defense and score. Who has Portland ever had to do that? Thank you. I can move on. (laughs) Jimmy Butler can do it. Paul George can do it. Kawhi can do it. LeBron can do it. AD can do it. Rondo can do it somewhat. You know, these guys are still playing basketball. Tatum can do it. See what I mean? Stephen Curry led the league in steals. He can score on offense. Chris Paul. So that's the port of Portland's problem of can't get over the hump. There's nobody on the court that can lock up when they need to and score. CJ's a liability, especially with his back being the way it was. Dame a liability. He's not a defender. Melo's not a defender. He can rebound. White side is your underneath guy. He can't go out there and guard people like AD. Get my point? It's tough, man. It's real tough to do that. It's real tough to sit there night in, night out, especially in the playoffs, in the bubble, and you're not getting on the plane and everybody watching tape and you walking past each other putting a different little type of feeling. Just like they said in the lunchroom, I wonder how that look is looking over there. I wonder how Jamal Murray's looking over there, Patrick Beverly, like, we'll see you tomorrow, bro. We'll see you. Mm, gotta love it, man. Love his shit. Love it. I can't wait till tomorrow. 
that's going to be one damn good game right there. But like I said, hope you all understand what I mean. You look at Miami, you look at Celtics. You look at the Bucks, and you look at the Raptors. What happened? You don't have the guys that can sit there and get you, get you, get you, get you. You got guys going to get hurt. You got guys like Bledsoe going to disappear. Middleton. Devin Chinzo was more games than them, them, them guys I named. He, he's not on that level yet. But you got Middleton, all-star, who chokes. Who had one good breakout game without Greek, and they won. Okay, okay, cool. That's cool. OG hits a, a game with a shot out of nowhere, and then they won two games, and they forced a game seven. But none of that did you see Pascal, Pascal Siakam do anything to take over a, to, 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 to make the series different. He didn't. He was supposed to be the guy. Not Lowry. Not Powell. Not Ibaka. Damn sure not OG. When it came down to it, if, Har- if Hero's making a big shot, Drogic's making a big shot, Jimmy Butler's going to put his imprint on something. I mean, even worse is the worst. I mean, like, Russell Westbrook was horrible in that series, but he cleared it up with certain games with rebounding or, you know, something. You know, a good player's going to stand out to do something if they're doing something bad. That's all I'm saying. And Pascal, like he even said it himself. He said it himself. In the interview, he said it himself. So, interesting series. One of the best series of the playoffs. Whew! Ah, I'm going with the Heat. I'm going with the Heat. Going with Tyler Harrow and Bam, my Kentucky boys. And that's how I'm going to ride that one. They're going to win that one at six. Uh, Jason Tatum is my favorite player out of all of this. But I really want to see Jimmy Butler win this. So I I'm, I'm, I like Jimmy Butler too. And I just think, like, this is great to go from the Bulls. Let's look, at, let's look how Jimmy Butler came up now. We didn't know who he was with the Bulls. We knew who Derrick Rose was. And then Derrick Rose got hurt. And then he came back. And then we're looking at Jimmy Butler having a moment of, like, wow, who is this kid? He's hitting threes. He can, he can dunk. He can take it to the hole against these, these star players that he was doing. Especially in the playoffs. Then, then later we see that, okay, he, he hit a little bit of a wall as far as that because I think he was him and Derrick Rose were trying to figure out who's the guy now. Derrick Rose gets hurt again. Jimmy's the guy. Then we see Jimmy go crazy again. Then Derrick Rose come back. They make a playoff run. And then they're almost about to beat the freaking LeBron James Heatles. And we're like, whoa. I mean, uh, the Cavs, LeBron James Cavs. And then that is the point of saying, like, wow, Jimmy Butler's really good. And Derrick Rose is really liking how good he is. Because Derrick Rose wasn't full flight at that time to really be an MVP caliber, but hit the game winning shot. But just to keep the story on Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler was there making plays as well and locking up defensively. He kept that moniker. Leads from there, goes to Minnesota. Sets the record straight there. Shows he's a pure leader. Yeah, the news might have came out negative, but he showed that he was a leader. He didn't like the nonsense that was going on. Carlton Towns being a baby. You know what I'm saying? Just things of how they was running. Tibbs wore him to death. I think he was just over Tibbs, too, being with him so many years. Then we go to Philly, where I think he shined the most. I think he showed that he was more of a star star than anything in Philly. Because you're with a star in Joel Embiid. You're with a promising star in Ben Simmons. And I felt like he was more of a man than both of them. 
and he showed a little bit more fervor as well. So that was big in itself to where you like, wow, okay. Jimmy Butler, he's really about that life because he was sitting there and had Philly to a point to where they could have been in that Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks, And who knows how that could have happened. But then they lost to a shot that I didn't think we were going to go in by Kawhi Leonard. So Jimmy Butler showed me a little bit of Kawhi Leonard, but a little bit of a athleticism deficiency. He's not that big hand, six foot eight monster that is Kawhi Leonard, that if he didn't have those hands and things of that nature, his, he would still be good. But I'm just saying, there's some athleticism things that he don't have that other guys don't have, and I still think that Jimmy Butler still gets it done. He's six six, six seven. He's a strong guy. And I think that is the big thing of getting him over the hump, but he worked on his game. Got a nice jumper, gets to the lane, gets to the free throw lane, knocked down his good side of his free throws. He's on the he's on the good side of that. So I mean, there's things to to, to look at with him where you like, okay, okay, he's special. He's special. And he just kept watching him. But him making a decision to go to the heat whenever he could have maybe chose the lake, could have called LeBron, like, hey man, y'all need me? Or, you know, Portland, uh, Cause that's the guy that you need. Portland would be in the freaking finals if they had a Jimmy Butler, for real. Toronto, I mean anybody can use the guy, but now he chose Miami. It showed us that he can lead a team and actually do well, and in in close out series against guys like Greek Freak. Because I don't care about no anchor injury, or all that stuff like that. He beat Greek man. Took him to the hole. I watched it. See, looked at him. Said, "You can't guard me." And Greek was sitting there lost on offense. Couldn't get to the hole. Couldn't hit a jumper. None of that. Yeah. Yeah. In the words of uh, 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 Pusha T. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Tony's not returning for the Rockets. He told them, "I'm not coming back." I wonder if he's gonna take a year or two off. He might commentate who knows but uh he does this you know he's not like he's not done it before he's done it with the Knicks told him hey I'm not coming back you know I think he told the Suns I'm not coming back I don't think the, the Suns fired him so I mean he, he walks out on his own terms and I think on this one right here he probably just you know like hey what I'm doing I can't we can't get over the hump I don't want to be that guy to be like oh man just you know try it again maybe or something but hey he cannot get it done. He's walking away, and now James Harden going to have another coach. And now Sam Cassell is rising up to be that guy, possibly to be named that. He's the first name that I saw being rumored as somebody to be taking over head coach for the Rockets. That's interesting. Lonzo Ball signs with Clutch Sports after losing his uh, – uh, I would say – I ain't gonna say respect. I just look at it like he didn't want to be with his pops no more. He goes to Rock Nation. I don't know what happened with him in Rock Nation, so now he's with Clutch Sports. We're gonna see how that goes for him and his brand and how he moves on in, the, in his career with the NBA. LaMelo's coming. I think LaMelo's gonna be better than Lonzo. I think Lonzo's gonna be a role player in this league and not a star. But we'll see. Big ups to Clutch Sports on getting Lonzo, I guess. Um, Other things I wanna talk about is. The fact that I 
I read in the news a couple of days ago, and you know this fight would have been already done and over with, but it would have been moved up to late November. Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. still training hard, still getting prepared for the fight. I've seen good things from Roy. I've seen good things from Mike. But here we go with words. Mike Tyson says this exhibition is going to be good old-fashioned, bone-breaking fun. And he has been snarling. He's been having, you know, just the, the type of interviews where you're like, man, Tyson just... Tyson just seems different. He seems like he really wants to hurt somebody. Then you flip it over to Roy Jones, and he's just more of a like, hey, man, just fight. We're in fight. And I just not liking the things he's saying. Like, it's going to be a fight, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a bite, it's going to be a bite. Maybe I made a mistake fighting Tyson. He's the bigger guy. Like, look, you said yes. You wanted this. You wanted to be back in the news and popping and things like that. You said yes. You've been wanting to fight Mike Tyson when you was a, when you was a professional boxer, actively. You wanted to fight Tyson. So, I mean, I just think you'd jump at the chance to fight a 54-year-old version of him. You know what I mean? So, well, my point is that I wouldn't be so quick to sit there and be like, oh, I shouldn't have did this stuff because you and the media already been pegged to getting killed. So, at least make yourself feel confident. Don't add fuel to your own fire and make people be like, damn, even he thinks it's a damn mistake. Because now that's what people are saying, Roy. Shit. I'm one of your biggest fans, and I just want to let you know that I am pulling for you. And secondly, Tyson is dangerous. <laughs> I like him too, so I just want to see a good fight. But I just don't want to hear the the, the, the scare talk now that we're past the original day Joshua fought, which was this weekend. It would have been the 12th, and it would have been overdone. We would have talked about it and all that stuff, but nope. Now we got November 28th to worry about. 26, I think, what it was. So, that being said, shut up, Roy, and just train. Tyson, uh, do longer clips if you're going to do clips of you training. I wish I do have better ones than 10-second clips. That's all I'm going to say about that. Baseball, real quick, um, with the season that they're having, the 60-game season and stuff like that, I just want to talk about some, some standings. The White Sox, who I didn't think they would be high at 60-some percent in their wins. And the Twins, I did. Definitely not the White Sox. Um, the Rays is another team. And I just wish the uh, LA Angels can get it together. Um, freaking Mike Trout is one of my favorite players ever. And he can't get it right with this team. And I just don't know. Now I got Joe Madden. I'm like, what is it? Like, you got the MVP of the league, and now you got other talent with Anthony Rendon and stuff like that. What the hell? Injuries is always something to be talked about, but come on. I want y'all's record better than Houston's. You know what I'm saying? But Yankees is not having the greatest year, but they're over 500, 26-21, the third place in the AL East. I'm glad the Boston Red Sox are in fifth, which Astros are doing just as bad with them. And on the NL side... We want to look at the Cubs, being who they are, it's been looking real good. And um, Javi Baez and those people are really good. Uh, another person I want to throw out there is quit throwing the ball to uh, Juan Soto or the Nationals going to climb back up in the NL East. But the Braves, man, they put up 29 runs last week. Whew. 29 runs. Wow. That was crazy. 
they're good. And now they got players that just coming out of there. Now they got this Duval guy. He's, he had three home runs. Kuna Jr. want to pitch to him. Uh, Freddie Freeman, you name it. This team is good. But they always choke at the end. So with this format that they're doing now, could they choke this time? I don't know. Cardinals are up there with the Cubs, second place. Marlins, second place. Some teams that are second place and looking not so good, other than the Padres, they're looking good with Machado and Freddie Galvis and all those guys, man, they're, they're looking real good. Dodgers, Kike Hernandez and, and uh, 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 Seager and uh, Jock, man, the, the pitching, if they don't win it with this, with, if they don't win the World Series, man, blow it up. Shit, let us have some of these good players, man. <laughs> I mean, I know Yankees got plenty, but wild card, let's take a look at the Twins, the number one. Phillies are number one on the national side. Boston last place. Pirates last place. In the hunt, Blue Jays, Yankees, Padres, Marlins. That's how that's going to go down. Can't wait till that gets to the postseason. As we get closer and closer to that, um, let's talk about some uh, leaders here. Quick little leaders here. And that's something very important in baseball is stats. And Nelson Cruz leading in home runs. Mike Trout right behind him on the AL side. And the NL side, we got Mookie Betts and Fernando Tatis. Said I said that name very horribly wrong. Sorry, Fernando. You are tearing shit up. Not Freddie Galvis. I don't know what I was thinking. Fernando Tatis. 15 home runs tied with Mookie Betts. Adam Duvall. Like I said, Marcel Zuna. Like I said, you can't pitch to nobody on those line. Braves, Marcel Zuna, Kuna, Duval, Freddie, scary, scary, scary. Uh, Dansby Swanson too, man. Shit. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Trey Turner, bat 348. That type of speed. Why are they in last place? You know what I'm saying? That that time, that team was that was the champs. I mean, Rendon wasn't that good, was he? Um, Donovan Solano, uh, second place with batting 349. And Juan Soto, like I said, don't pitch to that guy. He's batting 354. Hits, Trey Turner leading in that too. Michael Conforto got 60. I don't see Bryce Harper anywhere on these leaderboards. What's up with that, bro? Um, Tim Anderson, real good for the White Sox. Jose Abreu, everybody knows he's the hits leader. Real good for the White Sox. Um, 15 home runs. Elnoy Jimenez. That boy can hit 13 home runs. He's climbing up the home run ladder, too. Tim Anderson's leading in an RBIs. I mean, uh, our run scored, and Jose is leading RBIs. So the White Sox showing their medal. Stolen bases, Alberto Raul Mondesi Jr. Free Raul, his dad. Um, 16 stolen bases. He's leading the AL in that, and in the NL. Trevor Story with 14. Juan Soto, 735 slugging percentage in the AL. Nelson Cruz with a 669. Nelson Cruz. Now, on MLB The Show 20, I have a little franchise, me and my cousin, and it's crazy. And the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because of Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is doing what he's doing right now, he's doing in our season. The only thing that's not lining up right is the White Sox success, but the team talent, though, uh, Tim Anderson and guys like that 
are doing well in that season. Very, very realistic how MLB The Show portrays baseball. Mirrors it, man, perfectly. With Sims, how you simulate the games, all that stuff. It's, 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 it's crazy. I feel like I'm in a different world when I play that game as far as in my season. It's so realistic. But, yeah, just wanted to touch on that because some stats is looking kind of similar to what it's looking like in our season with my cousin, who has been on the show before, Brendan Smith. He will be back, especially with more fight cards in the later future. Look out for that on Sauce Talk. But, hey, this has been a great episode. Um, glad to be back. And, like I said, we're going to be more frequent. I got a new format for the week. And like I said, Monday is going to be the breakdown, the wrap-up for everything. Um, and whatever's going, whatever can get squeezed in there is going to get squeezed in there. Um, mixed Martial Arts, I think they had a show over the weekend. Didn't really get into that. Wasn't nothing too big to um, get into that other than Watterson. She's a good fighter. It's just, well, I watched her a lot. I just don't think she could beat the big-time talent. She's good to make money. She's very pretty, too. And, uh, but, um, I don't know. The close win that she got over Hill. If you put her, and she's in the weight class of the bullet. Um, my thing is, is the bullet is too skilled for these women, man. And they look good and excited against these other people. And if you don't look that excited against people that you can just really show off a highlight reel, like Waters should have did over the weekend, you put her in there against the bullet, the fight's not going to look that great. You know, you put her in there against Doug Rose or something like that. I don't know. But, yeah, that's just something, my my opinion. I just think Doug Rose is uh, maybe third best. In that in that in that area, but the bullet can't stop Nunez up or in the other weight class is unstoppable. I don't think nobody can beat her except the bullet, and the bullet has lost twice to her, and I don't think she's gonna go back up to that weight class. Boom. Conor McGregor won't get charged, what I talked about earlier in his little thing. And um the only thing I wanna talk about is um like I said, this Thursday we got Browns and uh Bengals, and we got the Heat, Celtics tomorrow, Game 7, Clippers, and uh, Nuggets at 9 o'clock. That is going down. I have nothing else to talk to you about. Um, have you got there, have you guys out there betting, use FanDuel. I like FanDuel. They're cool. They're easy to use. I haven't had a problem with FanDuel. DraftKings, I'm not really liking their app all that well, so betters out there, gamblers, use FanDuel. And uh, y'all have a good day. Enjoy your week. If you're at work, if you're chilling, e-learning, virtual, doing the homeschooling thing, I had to do that, and that's not easy. And, uh, you know, stay corona-free. Have a good day.